Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 3. This podcast is for and about people getting ready for their first ever pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, France, and Portugal. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. First-time pilgrims have hundreds of questions, and we have answered many of your questions in the past 41 episodes of this podcast. Are blisters just part of the Camino experience? Is it always like what you see in the YouTube videos? Do you really need a Camino family? Should you plan to skip the meseta from Burgos to León on the Frances route? Those are a few of the questions we are going to answer in this episode as I visit with this week's guest, Tron from Norway. Tron is currently walking the Camino Frances. I've been following his journey on Facebook, and last I saw he was right around Pamplona and doing well. You will get to hear from Tron in just a few moments, but first I want to answer another question from one of my listeners. This one is from Ramana, who is hoping to walk the Camino Frances in July 2024. Here's the question. Do you need to book the albergues in advance, or is it better to try to find one on the spot? Will finding a bed on the spot be difficult? The way to answer these questions is to first consider what kind of experience do you want on the trail? One experience is to walk and trust that a bed will be available each night. Walk until you are tired and ready to stop. Walk as far as your pilgrim friends are walking. For many pilgrims, that is the picture they have in their mind when they imagine walking the Camino. If this is your plan, here's what you need to know. You have to be willing to walk farther if there are no beds available. You may need to be willing to sleep on the floor, say in a gym or sports center, or even outside in some places in the busier times. You also may have to be willing and able to upgrade and pay more to stay in a hotel. If that is not the experience you want, then yes, you may want to book in advance. The question then is, how far in advance? Many pilgrims report that they have no problem booking a bed the day before or even the morning of the day they need it. I will say, in some places, it is advisable during the busiest times to book in advance. On the Camino Frances, the week before Easter, and the months of May and September, especially the first week and first two weekends of those months, are so busy that sometimes there are three or four or five hundred pilgrims starting in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port and descending upon Roncesvalles. 
outside of those times, well, the truth is you won't know until you get there how busy it is and if you will need to reserve. Every day is different in every place along the trail. Some cities have several albergues and can accommodate hundreds of pilgrims. Other places, like some of the smaller towns, have only one albergue that sleeps maybe 8 to 12 pilgrims. If, for example, 100 pilgrims are walking the same part of the trail at the same time and they all want to stay in the small town with one albergue, well, simple math tells you there won't be enough beds. But if those 100 pilgrims are all walking into one of the larger cities at the same time, where there are, say, five albergues and 150 beds, well, then there would be no problem. At another part of the trail, there could be 20 pilgrims and 45 beds. And again, no problem. So the only way to know if there will be beds available when you are there is to check when you are there. That's because there is no way to reliably predict how many pilgrims will be on the trail where you are when you are there. But you can find out how many beds will be available where you are headed. And if you are in with a lot of pilgrims, that may prompt you to make a reservation. How do you know how many beds are up ahead? Easy. Check your Camino app or guidebook for that information. Booking in advance actually gives you another kind of freedom. It allows you to not have to rush during the day so you can get to your destination and be sure you get one of the beds because it's being saved for you. Again, it comes down to what kind of experience you are seeking. For those of you heading to saint jean pied du port on the Camino Frances, the first week of September coming up or the first couple of weekends, you can expect the trail to be at its busiest. As I said, that could mean anywhere from 300 to 400 or 500 pilgrims a day vying for the limited supply of beds in the first 66 kilometers of the route. Once pilgrims reach Pamplona, they do start to spread out and it becomes easier to get beds. But those first few nights can be a bit crazy. If you are walking then and you haven't yet reserved a bed or room, well, you may want to do that before you leave home. Unless you are longing for the experience I described a few minutes ago. Take it one step, one day at a time, and trust the journey will unfold perfectly before you. Let's move on because now I have a save the date for you. I will be hosting two webinars and informational sessions on Friday, September 15th at 5 p.m. California time and Saturday, September 16th at 10 a.m. California time. These webinars and informational sessions are for pilgrims who are considering joining one of my Camino Experience groups in 2024. Details are coming soon, but I just want you to have the dates. So if you're interested, you can put them on your calendar. September 15th at 5 p.m., September 16th at 10 a.m., both California time. 
Now, if you already know you want to join one of my 2024 Camino Experience groups, you don't need to wait until September 15th to learn more. I will be opening registration for my 2024 groups on Friday, September 1st for everyone on my email list. So if you are not yet on my email list and want to be the first to confirm your spot for the May and September 2024 groups, be sure you sign up for the top 10 Camino tips that don't usually make the top 10 lists. And then you will get all the email announcements. You can sign up and learn more about these groups on my website, thecaminoexperience.com. Like I said, more on that coming soon. And now let's go ahead and meet our guest for today, Tron from Norway. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here today with Tron from Norway. Hi, Tron. Thanks for joining me. Hi. hi. <laughs> Very nice to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited you're on the podcast for, for a couple reasons, but one is because you are the first guest from Europe and the first guest from Norway. And so I'm eager to hear your perspective. Usually the pilgrims on this podcast are coming from the US and I've also had some coming from Australia. So this is a closer to the Camino perspective. So how about we start with, if you would share with us why you are walking the Camino? Why is a good question. Uh, I have known about the Camino for about 10 or 11, 12, 12 years. And the Camino has actually been calling for me all, the, all these years. First, I heard about it was a preacher, a friend of mine, uh, who was uh, dreaming of, about doing it. And I think he's been talking about it since much further back in time than, than 10 or 15 years. But he uh, walked in uh, 2013 and he came home and he sent a picture and he yeah, inspired me a lot to, to do this uh, the trip. And I wanted to go, and, but it had been laying by in the back of my head and waiting. And, uh, and uh, so I saw this, this movie, this, uh, The Way, and this was inspiring and no, uh, just the time, timing is perfect and time is correct. I have a lot of vacation left over from last year. So, so I have to know the time and the, the situation is right. So it's, yeah. Perfect. So I asked my wife and I asked my, my daughter if I could go and they said, yeah, if not now, when? So, uh, I'm, I'm leaving. That's perfect. If not now, when? That is such a great question. Yeah. So now. So, uh. Yes, it's now. One week, less than a week now. Okay, so let's put the pin in the map. And if you would share with everyone where you are starting, where you plan to finish, and how much time you plan to take. I'm uh, starting by going from Norway, from Trondheim. And I'm taking a flight to uh, to Bordeaux. And I have to figure the way from Bordeaux to St. jean pierre de port And I'm going to walk uh, all the way. The plan is to walk all the way. Uh, to uh, to Santiago, and if there's time left, I want to go to the end of the world or to uh, Finisterre. Excellent. The time we will we will we'll see. Uh, the way is out there. If if I have time, I go all the way. I have uh, from my, I'm starting the 15th until I have to be home to back to work. Is I have 38 days. 38 days. Oh, that's a great amount of time. Yes, I think so. 
but I feel I feel I have not that much time anyway. I got I would want to be out of I want to see most of it. Yeah, yeah. The, the fear, fear of missing out is uh, big. <laughs> oh, let's talk about that. What are you afraid of missing out on? I, uh, I want I want to see most uh, what's interesting. I want to see experience. Uh, I want to see the, the culture, the food, the most of it. Uh, and I, want, I don't want to stress. If I stress, I'm afraid I want to pass things. I don't want to pass. Pass by, I said, it's not right way. Yeah, I think pass by. But have you ever been to Spain before? Yes, but uh, but no, only on the shorter the vacation that you go to the beach and you lay there for two weeks and go home again. <laughs> okay, so this is not laying on the beach for two weeks. This is something a no. bit more rigor- rigorous and strenuous. Yes, it is. Yes, of course. Yeah, so would you share, when when you think about yourself, when you imagine yourself on the Camino, what are you imagining? Share with us a day. What you picture is a day on the Camino. I, 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 I picture a day by, by getting up in the morning, early in the morning. I understand you're getting up really early in the morning. During this part of the summer, it's really, really hot and warm. So you get up early in the morning, but I don't want to stress. So I'm going to have my time in the morning and I want to start walking and, and find a place to have breakfast and relaxing actually through the, the whole day but uh, anyway walking between between 25 and 30 kilometers every day then but that's taking it slow and have time to talk to people and to to see the country and to to stop at the the, the cafes or the bars and have food and restaurants and have it i'm i'm uh, i'm a trained chef uh, from long time behind, but I'm not working as chef now. But uh, but I'm a trained chef, and I'm very interested in food and uh, food and this uh, this uh, culture, food culture, and this uh, yeah. So this, and wine and uh, all the, all the, the different parts of it. It's very interesting. It sounds like you are going to really make a point to find the good stuff on the trail. Yeah, so that's my 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 plan. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great plan, and I also know that walking the Camino is strenuous and it is hard on the body, and mm-hmm. we often think of the first couple days on the Camino as being really scary and intimidating when you're going to walk over the Pyrenees Mountains. But then yeah. you still have the other 37 days on the Camino. Yes, yes. Yeah, which is the additional challenge. And I think that surprises yeah. some people. Will you share with us what you've done to prepare for the physical challenge of the Camino? I have been, been walking a little bit. But I'm, I've, all my life, I've been a backpacker. And I've been, been in Norway. We travel another kind of backpacking. We, we put everything in the backpack. Now I'm going to travel with a backpack on about 20 pounds or maximum 20 pounds, but 10 kilos, eight, mm-hmm. 10 kilos. But when, when, when I go in the winter hikes and, and summer hikes in, in Norway, we often carry as much as 35 kilos or 70 to 80 pounds. Oh, wow. All the food for a week, you bring a, a tent, you bring a, all, all the parts you need in the kitchen stuff and the gas boxes and, and you carry everything you need for the week. And it adds up to be a lot more kilos than, than, than this hike. Yeah. And then uh, the terrain, also, I, I feel fit and, and ready for this kind of trip. And it's a very new experience for me then. 
because because I I used to travel a lot a lot heavier than than this uh, small pack. <laughs> yeah. So for you, the physical challenge is probably not the intimidating part, or doesn't look like the hard part. Is there any part of this that has you mm, maybe concerned or wondering if the challenge will be too great? This challenge is much much longer in time because it, it's every day. So I, I have no problem walking 30K uh, with a big backpack in Norway, but it's maybe for three or four or five or six days. This is for almost 40 days. So that's, it's going to be a new experience and, and it's a little bit scary. <laughs> What about if I come to 10 days and I'm, I'm really tired and really, really, that is going to be a special kind of trip. Time perspective is much longer. Mm. And the, the heat, much warmer in Spain than it's in Norway. It's going to be a hot trip for me. Yes. So that's going to be, be challenging, I guess. And in addition to the challenge, there's also a mental challenge when you think about walking for that many days. There's sort of an arc, I think, where there's this excitement and you're at the top of your game and at the top of the mountain in the Pyrenees. And then a week later, you're still, you still have a really long way to go. Yeah. And then you go to the half and you're starting to count down and soon it's be over. Oof. <laughs> but, uh, but maybe it's be some days they're really looking forward to get it overdone. <laughs> yes, yes. And then I also hear from people that they they get closer to Santiago and they just don't want it to end because they're enjoying mm. the experience so much. Yes, I think it's going to be, uh, I'm prepared myself for a serious anticlimax when I come to <laughs> to Santiago. <laughs> and I don't want to go home, but I love home, but I, I don't want it to be over. Yeah, and that's all part of it. That's sort of the... Um, well, fear of missing out is one phenomenon when we get mm. ready for the Camino, but then there's this other getting to the end of the Camino and getting ready to come home of fear of it being over. And mm. who are you now? Because you have just made this really intense, incredible, epic journey. Who are you now? So I'd yes. love to hear who, who, who will you be after you walk the Camino? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope I'm, I'm still myself. Of course, I will be. But but the, the values maybe change. And, and I think it might change how you value it, the, the things and the stuff and the everyday things. And, and you need to have the newest iPhone. What do we call it in Norway? We call it materialistic. Yeah. So, so that can change, and it will be welcome change for me. But the mentality of if I, when I have done this, then I can do everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it will change me. Ah, so exciting. One of the things I'm really interested in is your perspective being in Europe. What would be different about how you see the Camino or how you prepare for the Camino as opposed to those of us coming from outside of Europe? For me, it's a, I'm, I'm lucky. My trip is very short. I, I go on the plane at uh, 10 minutes to 4, and I will arrive in, in uh, Bordeaux at uh, 10 minutes to 8. The air travel is about three hours, and I'm in the same time zone. 
so uh, there's no jet lag. Easy. So I, I live the same daytime and I'm arriving the same date and the same same job. I don't have to adjust my time and my, my watch. So, so I think it's uh, for me it's a very, very good thing. Don't have to feel jet jet lag part of it. Yeah. So I can I, I will arrive in Bordeaux and I will start walking the next day already. Well, fast. Okay. When I come to come to to uh, Saint John, I left Norway. I left home yesterday. Those of us coming from elsewhere, it's quite a longer trip, so you're able to get started much more quickly and just hit the ground yes. and head up the mountain. Yes. Any other differences that you see from a European perspective? No, actually not. It's the, it's the the temperature, of course, for me. For my in my case, it's the temperature is much colder where I live. The Traveling distance is, is uh, much shorter, but the language is the same. Language barriers are the same. Uh, and then we in Norway we don't use the, the euro; we use Norwegian krona. So we have the same difference in 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 the value. So I also have to put up the calculator and check what is it actually cost. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in my head, the biggest difference is the the, the jet lag and the the time uh-huh. it takes to to go there. Okay. For me, it's a short, much shorter trip. I appreciate that perspective. I'm also jealous of it to have to be that close to Spain. Yeah. Oh yes. When I when I go now, I, I think it it will be uh, more times uh, several route, different route. I see this as a test run because oh. my wife actually wanted to go with me, but she does not have as much vacation leftovers as I have. Okay. So, so we have been talking about this uh, trip together for for years and years, but uh, this year I can do it uh, myself and I can do it as a trust test run. There you and go. And we can go back and we can do it together next time. Oh, perfect! Yeah, she's not that into doing it in for for forty days, so we might be doing a shorter travel though, starting maybe three hundred kilometers from uh, Santiago, or maybe doing this Portuguese route. I love that you're already thinking this is not going to be your only Camino. I don't think so. I'm (laughs) I'm quite sure it will not be. (laughs) I love it. So let's talk a bit about how you have been preparing for the Camino. Any frustrations or challenges you've come up against getting trying to get ready for this? The biggest frustration is how to get to Central Piedeport. How to get started. How fast will I start? Uh, should I stay for one night in Saint John? Uh, Saint John, yes. Or should I go at immediately? How do I start? What to see in Saint John? Uh, yes, that part. Booking ahead or not? Mm. Or how much to plan or over planning? I have a tendency to to over plan and plan every step. So this time I have decided not to. Not to. Not to. Yes. Okay. So. Y- you were one of the first people to get the Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide that I launched last week. Yes. And yes, so yes. I'm curious because there is a, a session in there on how much time to spend in St. Jean. <clears throat> yeah. Did that help you decide? Yes. I, yes. Just because it made me decide that I have to go the same day. Okay. So I have to see, I'm going to go to the tourist office and I'm going to go to the pilgrim office. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to have to go to get, get the stamps and, and meet the people I have to go get the lunch or, and then I'm going to start quite early 
because mm. I'm going to coming late in the day, later in the day at least. And uh, that's why I decided also to go just to Horizon the, the first day. Right. So I go the first day. I'm coming to Saint John this at around eleven o'clock with a friend from uh, from uh, Bordeaux and from uh, Bayonne. So uh, you arrive eleven in the morning in Saint John. Yes. And I'm going to see it central and then I'm going to go on. That same day? The same day, yes. Wow. I might be regret it because I think it's <laughs> a lot of a lot of things to see in central as well. Yeah. You know, the thing that I have learned in mm-hmm. helping people get started on the Camino is the way that you do it is exactly the right way for you to do it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I I might be regretting regretting it afterward. But it's uh, then it's too late. <laughs> that that's that fear of missing out kicking in again. Yes, I, I think so. Yes. <laughs> well, the great thing about staying in Orson is that it is a two to four hour hike to get there. So for yeah. someone like you who is used to climbing and walking and strong and healthy and fit, you could get there in just a couple hours. And they ask that yes, you sir. get there in time for dinner. So you actually could spend a couple hours in Saint-Jean and see the town, get a croissant, yes. and then head up the hill. <laughs> I guess I will do uh, just that. Because I've been planning to, to walk so I can reach the dinner, or I will, at least I will get my room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because have a time limit, you have to come in at least, at the, the latest you can come, it's seven at night, I think. At six, at six, six, yes. And the dinner is uh, at seven. The dinner is at 6.30, and they do want yes. everybody to check in before that, or you just let them know you're still coming. So just give them a mm. call. There always is an English speaker at Refuge Orson. So yes. you you just call them and say, I have a reservation. Here's my name. I will arrive by this time. And mm. they won't give away your bed if they know that you're coming. No, no, that's that's great. So I'm going, I'm going to spend as much time as I can in St. John, but I'm going to, going to go the first day. Oh, I love imagining you there. It's one of my favorite places. It was a decision I had to take to stay one night in, in St. John or go to Horizon and have a shorter day the next day. Because yeah. I, I think I would have, normally I would have gone all the way to, to Roncesvalles, but I'm, I'm going to go the short, the easy way the first day. <laughs> yeah, good. It's very steep. It's 600 meters of ascent over less than eight kilometers. So it's pretty, pretty yes. steep in parts. Yeah. Yes. And the thing too about starting that late in the day is you may have the trail to yourself because most of the pilgrims will start in the morning. Yes, I understand that they will go very early. Yeah. Because of the heat and the also- I think it's much because of the heat. Yeah. So then you'll get to Orson and you'll have 50 pilgrims to have dinner with. And so yes. then there will be no shortage of people to meet and connect with. Yes. Yeah. Very exciting. I'm looking forward to the, to the part of the meeting the people and talking to strange people and uh, strange people, but stranger people, also. <laughs> unknown people. <laughs> strange people is not the right word, I guess. <laughs> Well, some of them might be strange. You will have to wait. Yes, and see. I guess I don't. <laughs> I, always strange people are all over. It's not perfect. But uh, but what you use in in US when you don't know the person? In in English, stranger. Yes. 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 In, yes. 
It's all about meeting new people and talk to new people and talk talk to people all from the entire world and, and yeah. Yeah. Just I, I I really look forward to that part. No shortage of that. No. <laughs> all right, good. So from what you've told me, the only mm-hmm. difference in your planning process than say in my planning process would be the travel to the Camino part but we still have to do all the other things, all the other pieces of planning. Any other challenges or frustrations you've come across in, in your planning process? I want to do everything. As I told, uh, said in the beginning, I want to go to Finisterra and I want to go to Muxia. Is it Muxia? Is it Muxia? Yeah. Yep. I understand it's like it's three different Caminos uh, and I want to do them all. Oh. Uh, and I'm I'm a little afraid I don't have the time to do them all. That's that's this uh, 38 days I have. The planning of maybe skipping parts, maybe taking the bus, and then and then I feel ah oh, you can't uh, cheat. You have to go all the way. And <laughs> and do I do I have to go every step? No, I don't actually. Do have to do that? Yeah, it's your choice. So I'm a little uh, into to that, but I, I think that is I'm going to decide when I'm there. And I've also thought about an alternative alternative to maybe rent a bike for the Macetas, for example, and do the Macetas for three days instead of nine days. And, mm-hmm. and, and then I will have six days more to, in the end, to go to, to the, the other Caminos. And yeah. We'll see. We'll I've see, yeah. planning down to details the first three, four days, and, and the, the rest of the trip, I think it will be from day to day. So you have reserved your places to stay for your first few nights then? Yes, I've, I ordered in the in the Oresan and I'm ordered in Rontosvayas. Okay. And I tried to order in the uh, stay in the next place, the standard place. Zubiri? Zubiri, yes. Yeah. But uh, the place I sent the mail, different food. Okay. So I, I wondered, ah, maybe I'll just go and see if we'll go to the next place. And, I don't stress so much about it. That's good. So there are one, two, three, four, at least six albergues in Thuberi, plus a number mm. of places with private rooms. So it's yes. a good thing to know if the first place that, and this is for everyone listening, the first place that you try to book, if it's full, you still have more choices. And the municipal albergues don't permit reservations. So as a last re- maybe not a last resort for many people, the municipal albergues are their first choice because they're the most affordable Mm. and they don't take reservations. So if you're one of the first people to get to the village or town, you can get that, that choice. And I I think if I, if it's full all over, so then I go to the next place. Yeah. It's another six kilometers to Larasawanya. Uh, and mm. there may even be a new albergue in between those two. So yeah, and that's the thing. Do you are you using a guidebook or an app? I read a lot of guidebooks, and I've been listening to you guides, the audio guides of yours, and I've been using this an app. I have downloaded two or three apps, and I find it very it's easy to check out and find all the, these albergues and, and places to stay. And it's a lot of them. So I don't stress about one is getting full or being full. I can always find another one. Yeah, good. I use uh, books. I really been read the first book I bought is, I think it was in 2015, an ebook. I started to read about it. I, I bought an ebook. Uh, this one, you talked about it in your, in your guide, this uh, moon 
Moon, yeah. So I, I bought this one uh, online uh, for the ebook and started to read in that. And I, I really liked it. Yes, it's very well organized and, and step by step. And it's also taking the part of this culture and the food. And, and yeah, I, I like it a lot. Yes, I was going to say, for someone who's interested in the, the food and culinary wonders of Spain, the Moon Camino de Santiago guidebook is probably the best choice because the author, Bibi Barami, does mention some of the wonders of the food landscape. So that's good. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the food part and to the wine part and to mm -hmm. the walking part and to the to nature. And I'm very excited. Oh, good. Well, I hope that when you come back, we'll have a chance to hear from you again. Maybe you'll come back on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be here. <laughs> Excellent. So at this point, I just want to see, are there any questions that you have that I can answer for you? I've been thinking about this, this maceta and, and how people talk about it very hard. Walking is quite boring for many. It's uh, very monotone. Is that a word? Do you understand? Yes, monotone. I'm wondering if, if I should skip it. I understand that a lot of people do skip it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to maybe rent a bike and, and cycle it. But you have been walking, of course. Have you? What do you think about the meseta? I love the meseta. Yeah, you do, yes. Yeah, I do. And but but let me answer that in a few different ways. The first time I walked the Camino in 2005, I skipped the meseta. Skipped it. Mm -hmm. Just went right on by, and that was because I had some knee problems, and I wasn't able to walk some of the longer stages. And at the time, there weren't accommodations as frequently as I needed. Now there are accommodations much more frequently. So you can walk the meseta in shorter stages. The thing about the meseta is most of it is flat, but it's relatively flat compared to the rest of the Camino. You do have rolling hills, sort of kind of mm -hmm. up and down rolling hills. And you have some just very flat, pancake flat places. The reason to walk the meseta would be for the experience that it offers rather than the landscape or the scenery. Mm. And I say that because the meseta gives us the opportunity to go within in a way that the rest of the trail net may not. And that is because it is so monotonous, the repetition of walking on a flat surface with nothing to catch our attention except a big sky allows us to go inside. And so for anybody who truly is after the spiritual experience or the deep reflective experience that the Camino can offer, I would say don't skip the Meseta. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say about the Meseta is it is different season to season. So for example, you're starting in a week. In August, the Meseta will be this earth tone palette. It'll be beige brown rolling off in every direction. In the springtime, the meseta is full of life. It's green, all these different shades of green with barley fields waving in the wind and fields of red poppies. And I find it to be exquisite in the springtime. So mm -hmm. even season to season, there are very different experiences on the meseta. Now, the final thing I'll say about the meseta is I have found some of the best hospitality of the entire way on the Meseta with 
families who have served the pilgrims for generations. And there's something about that where they really understand what the pilgrims are doing. They understand that we're on this pilgrimage to Santiago, to the saint's tomb. And for them, that's very significant. And so there's sort of this feeling of respect and reverence for the pilgrims. Mm -hmm. And so I, I find that more so on the Meseta than other places on the Frances route. Yes, yes. Those are all my thoughts about the Meseta. And everybody should make their own decision on what experience you want. Yes. I have to do, decide if I want to do the Meseta or I have, uh, want to go to the end of the world and, and the Muxia. I've been uh, doing a little bit of research on both, both on YouTube and, and by podcast. And, and is it a hate-love answer to it? Many were, oh, they don't like it at all, and then so otherwise they love it, it's the best part. So it's a, it's a hard decision to take. Yeah, it is. That's why I came to this middle by maybe renting a bike and, and yeah. bicycle, cycle all the, the way, but in a kind of way, at least. Yes, and it's pretty easy to rent a bike. You would pick one up in Burgos. There's a company or a shop that rents bikes in Burgos. And they have it arranged so you drop it off in Leon. Easy. Yep. Yeah. There is one more consideration about skipping the Meseta that you mm -hmm. won't be able to decide on until you're there. And I think you already know this. Oftentimes, we get in with a group of people. We get in with friends and mm -hmm. we walk with them. We So pilgrims will get into a rhythm where they're walking the same stages as their Camino friends, or sometimes people call it the Camino family. If you skip the Meseta and they don't, you've lost everybody because then that puts you a week or more ahead. And then you have the opportunity or the challenge to establish a new Camino family or new group of friends. Mm. But you won't know until you're there whether you're with people who you want to stay with on the journey. You just won't know. No, of course. Of course. Yeah. I've been thinking about this Camino family thing. I'm, I'm not sure I have, I want to lock up with a group of people that tight that had be forced to stay with them from the day one and through their old Camino. I think I will lose parts of, of the freedom by doing yeah. that also. So I, I want to be more free. I will talk to people. I will relate to people. And I will, I don't think I will lock up two groups and, and stay in that group and, and make that group take the decision for me. I, I want to be more free than that. I, you don't know until you get there. Maybe I, I really. That's a connect uh, in another way than I'm planning to do. Maybe I decide to stay anyway. I'll follow the group anyway. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I've done the, the re reflection over how much I'm going to connect to a group of people. And I love that you've thought through that because, you know, the model that we have is from the movie The Way, where those four people met up in the first few days and they went the whole way to Santiago together. Mm. And I don't know that that is as common as people think it is. What I hear more of is people meet a group and then they sort of come apart and then they meet another group and then that group sort of comes apart. But then also I, one year I met a, a man from South Africa who had met two German men and he adjusted his entire itinerary 
to walk the same stages as them because their friendship had become so tight. It was this great, yes. you know, comrades kind of experience. Mm. And then one of my favorite times was I met a group in Mancia de las Mulas. The group had grown to around 20 people who were all sticking together because one of the people in the group was a chef. And at the albergues, he would cook for them. Yes, I'm a chef. <laughs> You're a chef. And he couldn't shake anybody because they he cooked so well. They would all chip yeah. in for the groceries and be his yes. sous chefs. But he would create the meals and they were eating so well, they didn't want to leave him. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about doing that. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a trained chef myself. And I've been thinking about doing this, this uh, cooking for, for the for a group and, and having people join my, my, my meals and make, make the meals and, and do this together. I, I think that would have been really nice. Just, just be aware, you may gather a following that you can't get rid of. <laughs> then I will have to run. <laughs> you might have to. You might have to skip a section just to get back on your own. <laughs> yes, yes. I will see. But, but I think this group connection is, is, is appealing to me, but not in the long run. Good to know that ahead of time, to know what your picture mm. is of what kind of experience you want. I love that. Yes. So I think about my friend who went walked to, to the Camino in 2013. He, he was a part of a group and they followed, he followed the same people through the entire walk. And he, I, I have an impression that he, he regrets it a little now. Mm. He skipped thing he wanted to do because of the group. I think he has not said it out loud, but I think he's, he's regretting the group following part of it. So I, I'm, I'm planning not to. <laughs> that adds a new depth to the discussion of the Camino family. I really appreciate that, that perspective. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to mention one more thing about the kitchens on the Camino in the albergues. Most albergues do have kitchens but they are unequally equipped. And so one suggestion, you'll learn this really quickly, is to check the kitchen first to see if they have knives, if they have silverware, if they have plates, if they have pots, if they have bowls, rather than go to the supermarket and buy all your groceries and come back and discover you can't make your meal because there's no equipment. <laughs> oh, that would be not, not be funny. Check the Kitchen first and then go <laughs> doing yeah. grocery. Yes. And as a chef, you may even want to bring along a kitchen knife, <laughs> something that you know you can use. There will not be good knives in the kitchen. No, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Any other questions that I can answer for you? I've been uh, talking about that. I've been wondering about the maceta and the bike, bike part, the renting a bike. If I should go to Finisterre and Muxia, Muxia, uh, is it Muxia? I guess it is. You know, I never know where to put the accent on that. It's M-U-X-I-A. And in the Galician language, the X is a sh sound. So it's Muxia or Muxia. I'm not sure. Muxia. Muxia, yes. Yeah, it's an S-H sound. Muxia. Just focus on the on, uh, on the end of the world and Muxia. Maybe it's rubbing me of the time that I should use on the Monde Maceta. Maybe I, I will rethink it uh, and, and decide to take the trip every step on the Camino and, and drop this part until I do it for the first time with my, with, with my wife. 
Hmm. The other thing to think about is simply the math. If you're going to walk 800 kilometers and you're going to walk 25 to 30 kilometers a day, that's 30 days and you have 38 days. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. So if you do the math, it's all possible. But then suddenly I come to a a town or a city where I want to spend the night. I will find out of it day by day. Yeah, Maybe perfect. I will walk you just 10K one day. Maybe I'll find a place, oh, this is where I want to stay. And it's all too short <laughs> Yeah, to, to add up for the plans to, to walk 25 to 30K. And you know what? You'll find out as you go what's important to you. As you walk and you settle into your rhythm as a pilgrim, into the pilgrim community, and as you get to know Spain, you'll discover more of what experience you want because you have an idea now Mm. of what experience you want but if you stay tuned in you will be able to discover while you're on the trail what parts are really making your heart sing and then Mm. you can plan your stages with that in mind yeah i I think it will come to me as as i walk definitely i'm not so stressed up about the the dates that's why i have uh, neither the ordered uh, return plane ticket yet Oh. I don't know when I go home. I don't know where to go home from. Uh, if I go to Madrid or I go back to Paris or I go to... So I've, I've not decided where to go from from Santiago. I think it, I just figured it out there and then. Oh, it's so fun. Another thing I've been thinking about is the limit, the pack size and the weight on it and, and all the equipment and what to bring and not, what not to bring. And I've been packing my bag a time after time and waiting it and then packing it up again and checking do I need this, do I need this. I think it's the biggest part of the, the my planning has been what to bring and not, not to bring. Yeah. I have a lot of equipment for Norwegian hiking, but it's not get myself some new things. You don't need much. No, you don't. I, I see you. I don't need so much. I bought myself a sleeping bag for summer use. I ordered a, a quite expensive one, I, I think. But it's a sleeping bag and it with down fills. Mm-hmm. And it's really thin and really light. So I think it's uh, 300 grams or so. Mm. So so it's very light. It's going to be, if I bring the right thing to sleep in, it's going to be exciting to see. Yes. Because I know it's uh, really hot, but it's the. Uh, this, this bag is meant for the summer use, so we'll see. Perfect. So I decided to bring a sleeping bag and not the, this the liner. If you bring the liner, you have to rely on the blankets in the albergues. Yes, yes. If you do need warmth, whatever time you're traveling. Mm. Yeah, the main thing is to have something because you don't want to sleep directly on the mattress and you don't want to sleep directly with the blanket because they are not washed after every use. For sanitation reasons, you just need to have something between you and those two things. Is it like so that when you go to an albergue and you, you get a bed, is it always uh, come with this, uh, this papers-like sheets with, with one-time, single-time use? That has been going on for a few years now, and maybe the last mm-hmm. six, seven years. And not all albergues offer them. Not all albergues offer them for free. So 
Yeah. So the thing is just to be prepared. Some albergues actually want you to put that on the mattress before you even put your sleeping bag on. Mm. Someone sleep directly on the plastic cover. It's just for sanitation. The other thing about those is they, they're synthetic and they're very warm. Yes, I think so. Yeah. So if you're cold, get under that, <laughs> you know, get under whatever they gave you because it will add an, a few degrees of warmth. Yes. I met a pilgrim on the Camino in May this year who got caught in a storm up on one of the mountain passes towards the end of the trail. And she had her disposable sheet wrapped around her neck like a scarf. It was keeping her warm. <laughs> it's very, yes, yes. very warm. Yeah. In the summertime, they might not be that pleasant if they keep you warm, if they're synthetic and they might even make you sweat. It will get very warm again. So, I think the thing is from a planning and preparing perspective is to bring mm -hmm. something, sleeping bag or sleep sack, and roll with it and see what happens when you get there because they won't, every albergue will not be the same. And that's part mm. of the discovery process. You don't really need to know, and I don't mean you, Tron, in particular, but in general, a pilgrim doesn't need to know what every albergue experience will be like. There's sort of a generalized albergue experience you can expect, which is a shared dorm, shared restrooms, most likely mixed gender, and there will be somebody in the room snoring. And then mm. past that, Every albergue will be different. Yes. I plan to, to stay at least one night in, every week, at least in, in a private room, maybe in a hotel, just to get that feeling also as well. But I, I want to experience the sleeping in the big rooms with a lot of people also. So I'm not going to stay every night in a hotel or a, a private room, but I'm, I'm going to do at least one night in every, every week I want to go to a hotel or to a, a little little more luxurious <laughs> room. Well, and the thing is, too, is when we talk about rest days on the Camino, a rest day could mean a number of different things. It could mean a zero kilometer day. So you don't do any walking and you rest your body. But for those people staying in the, in the albergues, in the shared dorms, a rest day could simply mean a night in a private room when you have your space all to yourself, you have your privacy and there's no noise and you can rest and sleep deeply. So mm. the, the rest day can mean a number of different things. Yes, I think that will be very important for me to have the opportunity to go more private. Yeah, uh, privacy. By myself, yes, uh, sometimes. Any other questions I can answer for you? How do you deal with, uh, have you been uh, having blisters? The big folks around the blisters, I, I never had blisters on my trips before, but suddenly I've been, wow, blisters is so dangerous. It could uh, ruin my entire trip, but it's never been a focus for me before. But after looking out all these YouTube films and, and, and its clips and, and listening to other pilgrims, who had, the, the blister part has become a very big uh, thing, I think. Is it this big or is it just overspoken? Well, the people who you're hearing from are the ones with blisters, but you're not hearing from the ones who don't get blisters because they're not going to talk about it, right? No, it's typical. Yeah. So I'm someone who doesn't get blisters. No. And I think the reason is because I focus on prevention. 
So that's the first thing mm-hmm. I would say is to prevent them from happening. What happens on the first couple of days on the Camino is we get caught up in the flow of pilgrims and in the excitement, and we don't stop to care for our feet. So you're probably familiar with an, with what a hot spot is. It's a place where something is starting to rub inside your boot. And when you get caught up in the flow of pilgrims and you're all heading up the mountain or heading down the mountain, we don't want to stop. Or let's just say the weather's not great and it's raining. Where do you stop? But the mm-hmm. moment you feel a hot spot, it's really important to pull over, take off your boot and attend to it. And attending to it means putting a second skin on it, whether that's duct tape or luco tape or paper first aid tape or a plaster or band-aid, something to protect it. And I think that that's the biggest pitfall is that people just Mm -hmm. don't attend to them quickly enough. And then the blister forms. And once the blister forms, you're going to have to deal with having a blister for a while. And if they're not cared for properly, they can become infected and that will put you off the trail for a number of days. So prevention, I think, is the best thing. Another thing that happens is people train for the Camino and they go, oh, great, no blisters. I'm not going to have any problems. Then they put on their backpack. And when you change anything, if you put on another 10 kilos or even five kilos, it changes the way your foot rubs in the boot. So even Mm -hmm. if you've trained, if you haven't trained with your backpack at the weight that you're going to carry, you're right in that danger zone. You can get blisters. And then the third thing that people don't realize is blisters are not just for the first few days. You can be successful your first few days, first week, first two weeks with no blisters And then two, three weeks in, you could start to get blisters. So you can Mm. never rest. You always have to be vigilant about your feet. Mm. I've been planning for the blister parts as well. I've never had blisters before. Yeah, you don't have to have them. I'm going to try to prevent them. Yeah. And then I'm going to bring these tapes and this different stuff. So I have blisters that will help you to deal with it, but I hope I don't have to. (laughs) It's not mandatory. It's not part of the experience. You don't go pick up your shell and then go get blisters. (laughs) You know, of course, (laughs) (laughs) it's not required. It has been a real big focus on the blister parts uh, when you when you search for the Camino and you all everyone's talking about blisters. And but it's I guess it's like you say the one they have it. They talk about it, then the rest is no case. The other side of that coin is when you go online, you hear stories of people who love the Camino. They had a life-changing experience. It was an amazing thing, totally changed their perspective in their life. Mm-hmm. What we don't hear about as much are the people who had a really hard time and hated it no. or who went home early. They said, this is not for mm-hmm. me. I'm going home. We don't read those stories, but there are people who don't love the Camino, who get there and hate it. Yes, I guess so. I guess so. You don't hear about them at all. So it's very, very positive focus on, on everyone who has done it. Yeah, I guess that may be making the stigma even bigger for them, for the persons who want to, to quit. Yeah. I don't want to go, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm finished, I'm done, but I can't do it because everyone else is finishing. Yeah. 
A related pitfall is people plan their budget so they're staying in the albergues, but they've never stayed in a shared dorm before and get there and go, I can't do this. I cannot sleep Mm -hmm. in this environment. It's not for me. And then what do they do if they don't have the budget to upgrade to private rooms? And that's another thing that people don't talk about is the albergues are not for everyone. Yeah, I guess so. There is the, what many people think of as the quintessential pilgrim experience and that staying in the albergues is that experience, but that's not everyone's experience. No, the real way of doing it is staying in the, in the, the, the shared room. And I don't think so. I don't, don't think it's the real way. I don't think it's no. it the real way is thousands of years old and I did not yeah. do it the same way as we do it today. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I think I mentioned this in last week's episode, the albergues in general are only 35 to 40 years old as a way of housing pilgrims. Mm -hmm. It's modeled after things that came before it, but people stayed where they stay based on their means. If you could afford an inn, you stayed at an inn. Yes. When you go yourself on Camino, you stay in in shared room or you stay in hotels or you stay stay in... uh private rooms? How do you do it? The first uh, seven years I was walking the Camino, 2005 to 2012, I stayed in mostly in shared dorms. And that was because of my budget. That's what I could afford. And the idea of staying in private rooms and hotels wasn't as, as well known. And there were at the time, though, there were pensions that would have private rooms for around 20 euros, 20, 25 euros. So that's very budget friendly. In 2013, when I started leading groups on the Camino, I discovered how important it was for me to get a good night's sleep so that I had the energy to assist my pilgrims. And so in 2013, when I started leading groups, I started staying in private rooms with the exception of Orson, because at the Mm. time they didn't have private rooms. And so now what I learned is that the private rooms is a better fit for me because I am a very private person and I don't enjoy the communal nature of the dorm rooms and the shared bathrooms. I also am a very sensitive sleeper, not so much light sleeper because I can sleep very deeply, but I can never turn off if there are other people in the room. And so I, Mm. I never got a good night's sleep. So it actually took me years, maybe eight years, 10 years almost of walking the Camino to get to the point where I could honor my own needs and my own Mm. needs are for a private room. Yes. I think it's much of the same for me. I'm going there to sleep in in the shared room and shared room with several people. But if it's too hard for me, I'm going to go for the private room or I plan to stay in the, in the, do it cheaper, but I have the opportunity to do it. It has to be. It's great to have that, have the option to do it either way. I'm very lucky that way, but it's not for all, not for everyone. I think somebody has to do it this way and this way, but I am, I'm a lucky one that I can choose when I come there, when I go. So, yes. Yeah, I think it's great. And the other benefit of the albergues is those kitchens, the opportunity to share meals with other pilgrims mm-hmm. is just a wonderful way to experience the Camino. And I will say that 
the hotels and guest houses don't have kitchens for you to use, but that doesn't mean you can't share meals with other pilgrims because you can go to mm. the restaurant or the bar together and say, you know, you can, yes. you can create that experience for yourselves and mm. you just won't be able to cook or also have the hospitaleros cook the meal for you, which is the, the case in some of the albergues. Before you started to do, do uh, the groups uh, part, uh, when you go and you stay in the hotel or you stay in uh, in private room, is it uh, taking away some of this uh, this uh, the group thing? Is it, it, do you get lonelier on on the, the private room and on the private and staying in hotel? Is it a lonelier way of doing the Camino? I would say yes for me. Yes. Now that won't be the mm. case for everyone. Uh, sort of a little known fact that I am an introvert and mm -hmm. I like my private time and I'm so used to spending time on my own that I sometimes don't make the effort to connect with other people or mm -hmm. I revert back to that sad little 10 year old girl who wasn't friends with the cool kids, you know, and so mm -hmm. I'll see a group of pilgrims together. They already know each other and I don't know them. And then I get a little shy and uncomfortable approaching them to say, hey, mm -hmm. can I join you? Because I'm the out person. Yes. But that same person, me, in the albergue has a similar experience. So I was also lonely in the albergues because I didn't know people. And so mm -hmm. if I haven't made the effort to get to know people, I'm going to be lonely wherever I sleep. Yes, yes. I see myself that, that I, I used to say I'm a well-trained introvert. <laughs> so I can, I'm, I'm, I'm very good at connecting to people, but it's not really who I am. Yeah. I am an introvert. I charge when I'm alone. I charge, I, yes. I love my own company. Yes. And I, but I can still, uh, I'm well-trained to, to tolerate a lot of people and to connect <laughs> to people. And so if I stay in a hotel, I, I would love it. Yeah, yeah. The other thing about the albergues that I noticed is, so I walk shorter stages than most people. So my sweet spot has always been around 20 kilometers a day. And many people will walk 25 or 30 like you're planning to. And mm -hmm. so I might meet people and connect with them at an albergue or at a, at a hotel or at a restaurant or bar. And think, great, I know people, I'm not alone. And then they mm -hmm. walk farther the next day and they're gone. And so for people who walk shorter stages, we have to pay. Well, this is true for anyone. The people who you connect with on the Camino very likely will be the people who walk the same distances each day. Mm. Yeah. And there just happen to be more people who walk longer distances, I think. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's one of those things you work out as you go. Mm. Yes. I think it's, if you meet the group and it will connect and it will per work perfectly through uh, the entire walk uh, from St. John to until the end, big part of luck if you are the, exactly the same person walking the exact uh, amount of kil kil kilometers every yeah. day and, and planning to stay at the same place. And that, that, I don't see that going to happen. Well, and then there's also this magical element that happens where you meet people and then you lose them 
And then they take a rest day and, oh, look, there you are again two weeks later. Yeah. And suddenly you meet, meet them again there. Yeah? yeah, it's really fun. I think that is very nice. Yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yes. What are the odds to meet people you know in Spain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it happens all the time on the Camino. Yeah, so the thing is, you can plan and prepare as much mm. or as little as you like. And no matter how much you plan and prepare, you still are going to go have the mystery tour. You still are mm. going to go have an experience that cannot be planned. I think it's it, that's the way it is. My wife is the, oh, are you sure you're going to plan this much? Are you sure you're going to see this much on the YouTube? Are you sure you're going to read all these books? Oh, all the excitement is gone when you prepare too much. But but I don't prepare in that way, I think. But I'm not planning the stage by stage and, and, and everything I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I'm going just to, uh, learning about the Camino, but I'm not planning to do as the books are. I love it. Very good. All right. Well, it's wonderful talking with you. And I will look forward to hearing how it goes. Yes, yes. I contact you when I come on. That'd be great. Well, I wish you a beautiful journey. Thank you again for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. 